podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul. Yeah. Cats, 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 you're going to set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah, the season's kicking off, and the bill will be a rocking. And Bosco Boys are talking purple love. Purple love. Bosco Boys. Oh, just a hunk of hunk of purple love. And just a hunk of hunk of purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and uh, man, <laughs> uh, this is a lot more fun than last week. Uh, it, it was a fun game, it, it, it was a really fun game. Uh, great crowd, we'll get into all that, but man, it, it feels good, and um, what's kind of wild is when you're looking at the schedule, and again, we're only four games in, only one Big 12 game for everyone in the conference, but uh, I, I think when it's all said and done, that UCF game may be seen as either just you know maybe the second or third toughest game on the schedule. Um, again, nothing. Nothing's going to take away how disappointing that game versus Missouri was. But beating a a what what I think is going to end up being an eight, maybe nine win, probably eight eight or nine win UCF team like that. Uh, that feels really good. Um, what a fun time though! It it, it it was fun to get back into uh, Manhattan, Kansas, into Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and again. Uh, I say this about a lot of things, but uh, outside of like one thing, which is exit reentry and uh, general concession beer sales, uh, I, I'm always blown away. My first game back in Bill Snyder Family Stadium after going to an away game, uh, the overall in-game experience compared to Missouri is night and day better. Uh, it, it was absolutely awesome. Um, was very happy to be back. I actually was in the East Club, so I had access to you know all the uh, you know beer that I wanted. Luckily, I went to Manhattan Brewing Company before the game. Met up with co-founder of the show and former co-host Grant KSU and his very lovely wife. Had a grand old time. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about Manhattan Brewing Company here in a bit. But that's a, an amazing spot. Amazing spot to be uh, pre-game. The only thing, look. I, <laughs> Look, uh, complaining about the game day experience at K-State is, is fool. You know, it's a great experience. But I'll tell you what, I wish they had a shuttle bus up to the stadium from uh, points uh, from downtown Manhattan. Because I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Usually I have a parking pass. Uh, shout out to my dad and some of his college buddies. Uh, I, I let them have that uh, for that game. Um, but I any game I didn't wouldn't have a parking pass, I would just post up 
uh, at Manhattan Brewing Company in downtown Manhattan because they have so much going on down there now. If they had a shuttle bus, I mean, it would be so easy. I, I hope it eventually comes back. I think there was one before the pandemic, uh, but there definitely is not one now. And, uh, you know, I, I had a nice little walk. I, I parked over by Call Hall. And I'll just say I, I need to get back onto the Peloton, folks. I, I really, really do. Uh, but look, I, I want to talk about Manhattan Brewing Company real quick, and then I want to get into it. Again, perfect spot to be pregame. It was packed, but I want to give a shout-out to their workers, man. Anytime that you needed a new pint, they got you taken care of. They were making sure that the fridge was stocked with four-packs. They are getting crowlers ready to go. Folks, Manhattan Brewing Company truly is the perfect spot before a K-State game. Whether it is a afternoon or night game, and heck, I know they open up early when we have morning games as well. Getting a couple pints there before you head towards Bill Snyder Family Stadium is the perfect thing. Again, I had the best the best pumpkin beer in the world, pumpkin batch. I had a couple of those, had a couple championship runs, had a couple town wheats. Again, it was delicious. It was the perfect way to start the game day. And now with a bye week, hey, get up to Manhattan, get around town, hang out, get some pints, take some to go, and be telling your local liquor store you need some Manhattan Brewing Company in there because it truly is delicious. All right, let's get into it. K-State 44, the UCF Knights. I'll be nice to them now that we beat them. I'll call them the UCF Knights, not the Central Florida Golden Knights, uh, 31 uh, and then we had a little bit of an Eli Drinkwitz moment where, uh, you know, they had to use a bunch of timeouts late to get a meaningless touchdown um, to make it look a little bit closer. Uh, but sellout crowd, 51,912. Truly one of the, the best crowds in the Chris Kleiman era. Um, I was up in the East Club, like I said. It was literally shaking at a couple points because uh, the students are right underneath you. Shout out to the students. You know, you had the please move towards the center of your row announcement from Mitch Fortner on PA about 30 minutes before the game. It was packed in. They were loud. They were rowdy. They they had that bloodthirst to them that I didn't think they were going to have. And the entire crowd had it. I, I did not think the juice was going to be there after that Missouri loss. Now, it, it does make me wonder, okay, uh, you know, that was at like a nine and a half. Would it have been a 10? Would it have been up at, you know, beyond the scale? You know, would they have broke the scale uh, if that loss wouldn't have happened? Uh, but I, I was very, very pleased, very happy to see how the crowd uh, was so loud into it. Uh, absolutely amazing. From Ty Zimmerman bringing on the cats to the pyro, the fireworks throughout the game on touchdowns. Just the perfect night. For football, the perfect atmosphere. You could not have asked for anything better uh, for for a game like that. I, I'm over the moon, um, and it was just amazing. You know, the crowd, you know, led to some false start penalties, led to multiple delay game penalties. You could see Gus Malzahn getting visibly frustrated. You could see those UCF players getting frustrated. Look, uh, UCF has a has a very good home atmosphere, and you know they they've had to play at Cincinnati, which has pretty good atmosphere and you know they went up to Boise which it doesn't like it doesn't the most overrated stadium in the world is up in Boise Idaho um but it's not K-State like again I think it's easy to like kind of dismiss things as oh he's being a homer but folks I've I've been 
to every single but before the new new folks came. I, I've been on the road. I've seen K State play on the road everywhere, and Bill Snyder Family Stadium gets louder than any of those stadiums. Again, Missouri had you know over sixty one thousand last week, and the only time there's ever like even okay, hey, that got loud is that final play of the game. Bill Snyder Family Stadium, the K State students and K State fans truly are special when they are bought in dialed in and they're bringing it and last night was one of those nights and and it it was a lot of fun to be part of that atmosphere um k-state's covered the spread it it honestly was a wild uh betting trends got as low as k-state minus two and a half closed at minus six i think when i think when the betting markets found out okay will howard is going uh it jumped back up to six pretty quickly uh k-state covered that number went over 53 and a half Again, Vegas did not think it was going to be that high-scoring game, but they probably should have. Uh, Shout-out to Mason Voth, who uh, tweeted this out. Last night was the fifth time K-State has gone over 40 points in 11 Big 12 games with Colin Klein as the offensive coordinators. Uh, Eight times they've gone over 30. Again, uh, Colin Klein offenses, while we might have some gripes with a few things, uh, the man is a very good offensive coordinator, and he knows how to get points in the Big 12, not only as an offensive coordinator, but back when he was a quarterback as well. Um, brings K-State into a seven-way tie for uh, top of the Big 12, having a laugh. Uh, so uh, obviously something we're going to keep track of until K-State uh, has a third loss in the Big 12, which hopefully doesn't come. Hopefully we're tracking everything all the way to that first Saturday in December down in Arlington. Uh, when you look at total yards, K-State 536 to UCF's 407 k-state total plays 82 ucf 59 again that is a complete reversal of how things go now ucf uh part of their snap count is because hey they had massive big plays k-state didn't you know they had what a hand they had two plays over 30 yards is that what it ended up being uh yeah, Giddens had a rush for 36. Will Howard had one rush for 31. And uh, we had two pass plays go over 20. Look, K-State was chunking it down the field. They were picking up, you know, chunks. You know, they, they had to convert some uh, third downs. But they were chunk, 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 getting it down the field, controlling time of possession, K-State 35 to UCF 25. But this was the game plan. Chris Kleiman said it on Tuesday. Hey, we want to have the ball. We want long sustained drives. We want to keep UCF off the field. So K-State having 82 plays, UCF having 59 really did work perfectly into K-State's hands. Uh, Turnovers, one one Will Howard interception, and then UCF, Jacob Parrish got an interception, and Des Purnell forced a fumble and led to a VJ Payne recovery. Uh, So won the turnover battle, which is good. Uh, didn't stay clean. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give you a little bit of a teaser. Uh, we, we didn't do very good with my key to, keys to V. We did not have a great Scott Wildcats keys to V, uh, which kind of is funny because if you might, well, you, you'll see. The grades are not going to be great yet. We still won rather convincingly. Uh, so <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, penalties, K-State 5 for 63, UCF 10 for 80. Um, look, K-State, the, the Jake Clifton late hit, definitely didn't need that. Jacob Parrish got toasted. 
uh, and he had a pass interference. So there's about half the uh, penalty yardage on those two plays. Not great, but again, um, not horrible either. I, I honestly would probably sign up for five for 63 because he had like another hold on a kickoff uh, return, which again, not great, but five for 63 in college football, the way things go. I will probably take that most games. Third and fourth down efficiency, K-State 9 of 15, uh, which, you know, what? what's that, 60%? Uh, you know, my mental math isn't great this morning. Uh, yeah, 60%. No, I had that. Go me. Uh, and then 1 of 2 on fourth down, UCF 5 for 12 on third down, 1 of 2 on fourth down. Uh, good job on uh, both sides of the ball when it comes to third down. Again, some frustrating pickups for UCF. I'm sure we'll t- I'll, I'll bring it up later. Um, but on offense, again, pretty good job. I, I'm not going to have too many complaints about how they did on third and fourth down. Um, so, yeah, that, th- those are the team stats. Ultimately, again, this is a, a very good win. It was dicey for a while. Again, uh, you, you know, down uh, in, in what, the first, second, and third quarter at different points trailing. Um, and, and then really when it got to crunch time, K-State put, you know, the, the pedal to the metal and, and took the lead. Now, I think it's a little concerning that you didn't snap the neck in that second quarter. Um, when you get up 11, you have the ball up 11 and you're, you aren't able to snap the neck. And then, uh, you know, the next thing you know, you're down three. Um, not great, especially when we had chances, uh, you know, th- that was second quarter versus third and fourth quarter with Missouri. But, but I am a little concerned uh, that you didn't snap the neck right there. Now, UCF has a team full of athletes. Gus Malzahn is a very good coach. He's a national championship coach uh, at Auburn. Uh, at least I'm like 99% sure I, I'm remembering that correctly. Um, UCF's good. I, again, I think, I think UCF's going to be an 8 or 9 win team. Uh, so I, I'm not melting down over it. But but you would like to have a little bit of that killer instinct uh, and, and not have to get that second bite of the apple to kill them off. Um, would have been a lot more fun you killed them off in the first half. But, you know, ultimately uh, having a bad, like, you know, middle, middle eight, I think is like kind of the football guy stat where it's the final four minutes of the first quarter. Uh, or second quarter in the first four minutes of the uh, third quarter. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, But once they finally regained the lead, they didn't look back, and uh, I think that does show a little bit of growth after letting last week get away when you had a chance to kill it off and then also letting the chance earlier in said game. Um, So I'm happy with that, and I'm really happy with the offense. We're going to talk more about the offense, and the offensive side of the ball review is brought to you by Charlie Hustle. I was rocking a Charlie Hustle crew neck at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I'm currently wearing my Arrowhead Collection crew neck. It is crew neck season. It doesn't matter if 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 you're not usually a crew neck person, if you like the hoodies, they got the hoodies too. But they are so comfortable, folks. Like I promise you, I have nine in my closet, different ones. I have multiple K-State ones. I have an Arrowhead collection. I have uh, two Kansas City hearts. I have their varsity Kansas City uh, script across my chest. Uh, I, it, it is so great. I promise you. I promise you. Like If you don't like it, I, I don't even know. You, I, I don't have the words. It, it truly is the best crew neck in the world, and I'm sure the hoodies are elite as well because, hey, it's the same fleece material. So soft, looks so good, so comfortable. Also, if you're listening to this first thing in the morning on Monday, you still have a chance to go retweet 
the September entry at noon. I'm declaring who the winner is. Uh, so you have time. You better hustle if you're listening to this on Monday morning. All right. Um, big offensive performance. This is the second time uh, we've gone over 500 yards in a game. I think this is the first time since 2003 where we have multiple games going over 500 yards. It's only happened like one time a season, a few times, uh, you know, since 2003. Like this is not a an every year occurrence. And K-State has done it twice this season. Uh, absolutely massive. Uh, not perfect in the red zone, uh, but going 5-7 of seven in the red zone, uh, getting touchdowns, not bad at all. Four games in the season, I believe we're over 80% touchdown rate once you get to the end zone um, versus, I think, only being in the high 40s last year. Absolutely massive uh, to have that sort of uh, efficiency in the red zone. Again, uh, the two times you don't punch it in, very frustrating. Uh, kind of costly, one of them with a missed field goal. Uh, but look, you're not going to be perfect. It's still college football. But I, I, I've been very pleased with how things have gone in the red zone so far this year. Uh, starting with quarterback, uh, look, Will Howard, 27-42 for 255 yards passing. Zero touchdowns. That one interception. Only 61 yards per attempt. Uh, 64 yards rushing on seven attempts. Two touchdowns, 9.1 yards per carry. Look, Will Howard had a gritty game. You guys heard all the podcasts during the week. I there, There's a point early on, uh, the stuff you're hearing out of Manhattan was he might not play at all. He played the entire game. And even when, when the tide started to turn and say, hey, yeah, Will's going to give it a go. Will's going to start. But you're going to see some Avery Johnson. I mean, Chris Kleiman straight up said that in his press conference on Tuesday. Colin Klein was saying it on Thursday. Look, everyone was expecting it, but Will gritted it out. And not only did he grit it out, uh, playing the entire game. He also was running the ball. Again, not not a perfect game by any means. When they were stacking, when UCF is stacking the box as much as they are, only having 6.1 yards per attempt is not good. It's not good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat things and come on here and say Will Howard is the greatest thing in the world, all this stuff stuff. But I am gonna defend him a little bit. Look, he he played through some major pain. The, the the amount of work this guy put into pain management and rehab throughout the week to be able to get out there, grit it and play, really says something about his character, his drive, his desire to be out there for the guys. But it wasn't a perfect game. It's probably a B minus type game for Will Howard. He missed a couple throws, especially on vertical routes uh, that could have been either big plays, uh, third down pickup, a couple touchdowns, um, and he did miss it. You know, it, there was another interception. Uh, he does still like to try to thread the needle. He likes to throw the ball through the eye of the needle. All this is very true, but he made some big-time throws. He had some super gritty runs, and especially knowing everything we do about, and, and while his exact the exact injury where the issues were probably will not get out there, and I don't want it to. I don't want opposing players knowing exactly where Will Howard is uh, hurt, where he's banged up, where they could aggravate him even more. Uh, but everyone saw him at the end of the Missouri game. Um, everyone even kind of saw how he was warming up before the game. He, he was gimping around a little bit. But the guy, the guy, you know, put it all out there. And, and I, I don't think that there's any sort of, you know, debate. This, this is Will Howard's team. 
Avery Johnson will get his time. And I'm sure we're going to see more Avery Johnson this year. I would be shocked if he redshirts. Even if he does redshirt, he sells two games. I do think when you look at the bell curve of K-State quarterbacks, Will Howard is on the right side of that line. I, I, I still have a ton of respect for him. We might need to recalibrate our opinions here. Uh, I was on here. I was asking people. People on the live show, uh, people during Blitz uh, Month said, "Yeah, Will Howard could play himself into being talked about as a Heisman candidate." I don't think that's going to happen. I think we all got uh, excited. I think we all really, you know, we rallied around our guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think we need to recalibrate just a little bit. He's probably not an All-American quarterback. He's not going to be a Heisman contender, but he can be, you know, a, you know, in the conversation for first team All Big 12. I think he can be in the conversation for definitely being on All Big 12 lists. Um, but but we probably need to recalibrate just a little bit and, and have that. Uh, kind of play into our perspective when we're talking about Will Howard uh, moving forward. Because I, I do think that, hey, that there is this, hey, we hyped him up so much, he doesn't look like a Heisman contender. Okay, let's recalibrate a little bit. Because, again, I understand some of the frustration. And, and I, I brought it up here. Again, it, it was another interception. He missed some throws. Yes, I, I UCF's defense was stacking the box. But the guy still gritted out. He still is a football guy. He is... Uh, just a gamer. It is all those kind of cliches, but he truly does embody it. And, and when you see that go out there, it's hard not to really get as well. So that's kind of my perspective on quarterback. Let me know if you disagree. Uh, he's going to have, uh, what, two weeks before we, we, we go out to Stillwater. Um, I imagine he's gonna. that's going to be the healthiest he'll be the rest of the season. Uh, so I expect a massive game down in Stillwater from Will Howard. But but all in all, B minus, B game, definitely a passing grade, and really proud of the way Will got out there and took care of business. Um, and again, he made some big throws like on fourth down and that big run. Chris Common said, hey, we're going to need you to run to ice this game out, and, and he gave it his all. So uh, absolutely love it. Uh, offensive line, uh, best game of the season so far. Only two tackles for loss, giving up all game. Duffy came back. I thought he looked good. Again, he's going to now have an entire week to get conditioning back. I expect him to be starting uh, versus Oklahoma State. But I'll say this. this Carver Willis looked pretty solid. It, it was probably Carver Willis's best game as a Wildcat. Uh, again, I, w- I wish he would have hit the ground running a little bit. But, you know, he wasn't bad versus Missouri. He definitely was not bad versus UCF. So, again, maybe, you know... I don't know. We're, we're all we're all going to have some nerves next year, next spring, come you know April when we're talking spring ball practice. I'm going to worry about that then. Um, but but it, but it was good to see Carver Willis out there. Uh, Cooper Beebe, just purely dominant. KT Love had a pretty good game as well. Gillum was fine. Um, you know, again, I I think being a center is kind of tough. Uh, so yeah, he's going to have some missed blocks. He's going to get pushed in the backfield a little bit. But I think it was probably his best game. Of the season, I thought Panzer kind of had a rough game. He found himself blocking up field a little bit. Uh, he had a false start, I believe. Panzer had a rough game. I thought Taylor Portier was the better guy at guard, but but again, it's just my amateur eye. I'm sure some folks are going to listen to all this and be like, "Scott, you're fucking wrong." Um, 
but that that's just kind of what I saw up up in the stadium. Tried to watch a little bit more offensive line on my rewatch. Thought Panzer had a rough game. Thought Taylor Port to see Taylor Portier starting. I'd like to see Duffy starting, and I'd like to see Willis and Panzer kind of come in to spell that right side of the offensive line. But the left side again, I don't think KT is going to be an All American, but I think he's playing at a All Big Twelve worthy type of level, and I think Cooper Beebe continues to be one of, if not the best, interior offensive lineman in the nation. Uh, so the K State beef. Uh, you know they, they've caught some flack early in the season, but but they really had it going versus UCF this week, and uh, I, I'm hoping that's the beginning. I'm hoping okay they found their stride. Duffy came back. I hope we see a big game uh, in well two big games on the road down in Stillwater and then in West Texas versus the Red Raiders uh, before we come home versus TCU. So very pumped to see that performance from the offensive line. To the tight ends, uh, it was good to see Garrett Oakley out there. First game, uh, I think, of his career. He was a guy who who really was getting a lot of standout mentions in the offseason before an injury grabbed him the final week of fall camp. Dropped the one target he had. He could have brought it in. Will could have made a better throw. Uh, but all in all, it was good to see him out there. Will Swanson had a catch for 10 yards. A big game from Ben Sennett, though. Five receptions for 64 yards on five catches. Had a long 22, had a massive catch on fourth down. I think it, it, it was one of his better games as a blocker as well. Lined up a lot, a lot as a fullback in this one as well, which is why he's going to get the easy nod as all Big 12 fullback once again this season. Did have one drop, but all in all, just another solid game from Senate. Really outside that Troy, they're like, all right, we're, we're, we're going to triple cover you, kid. Uh, he, he's really lived up to those lofty uh, expectations we had for him. Again, I think he's setting himself up to go pro after this season and be uh, you know, anywhere between a late second to early fourth round pick probably. Uh, ben Sennett is making himself a lot of money with the type of season he's having. Uh, but let's get into the running backs. Big Tony Frias had two carries for eight yards, uh, one reception for five yards. Despite what Kleiman said, you know, he was running back number two. Uh, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Tis the reason for the season. DJ the Blue Jay Giddens, the Junction City native, uh, the Ad Astra All Star. And, well, and I say that, but he was a. I mean, he wasn't a recruited kid. Like I, I, I think he maybe had some like maybe walk on interest elsewhere. But K State sees him in in their backyard, and they're like, "All right." We want this kid. We see the potential in this kid. And he's proven he's the bellwether back. He had an all-time type game. 207 yards rushing, four touchdowns, uh, 6.9 yards per carry. And again, he led the team in receiving as well for eight receptions and 86 yards, a long of 24. Again, this was a where were you win type of game. This is going to go down as one of the greatest individual performance of all time, I, I think it's he's I, I think number ten uh, for single game yards from scrimmage. I mean, four touchdowns puts him in rarefied air. I mean, and this is not meant to be a slight at Deuce Vaughn at all. Please do not take it as a slight at Deuce Vaughn. But Deuce Vaughn never had two hundred yards rushing in a single game. DJ Giddens did again, almost three hundred yards from scrimmage. Uh, if he doesn't win Big Twelve Player of the Week, I, I'm truly burning it down. The, the DJ Giddens has proven he is running back number one. And again, 
I, I, I know I'm biased. I, I've been a DJ fan ever since he came in, and even when he redshirted, I was saying, hey, DJ Giddens, he's going to be a guy. Uh, I, I was saying it all offseason. He's going to be a future first round or first first team All Big Twelve running back. He's going to be a future NFL running back. He is the real deal, folks. And again, not a slight at Trayshawn Ward. Trayshawn Ward has a role on this team, and, and I'm I I want him back for Oklahoma State. K State football is going to be at its best with Trayshawn Ward being part of the weapon package. But DJ Giddens is your number one running back. There is no controversy. There is no competition anymore. DJ Giddens has better field vision. He can run through arm tackles. And he's going to pick up as many yards as he can get. I can't say that for Trayshawn Ward. And that's not a slight to him. Trayshawn Ward is still a very good running back. I, I think Trayshawn Ward can be a guy who plays in the NFL. And again, I think Trayshawn Ward is a dangerous uh, pass-catching weapon, and he does have a home run ability. He does have more top-end speed. He is a guy who, if he hits the hole, if he sees the hole, and if he executes, he does have like a 70-yard potential in him, where I don't think DJ Giddens has, you know, hey, I'm going to run past everyone and pick up a 70-yard touchdown in him. Trayshawn Ward does. But Trayshawn Ward needs to be the guy who comes in and spells uh, DJ Giddens. Trayshawn Ward needs to be the guy who, hey, we have a set of 12 to 15 plays, and we're going to run them when Trayshawn's out there. Th- those are his pay- plays. Th- these are his packages. Because I, I don't I, I don't think you can, you can paint any scenario in the world where you're telling me, hey, we, we still see these as 1A, 1B. No, we, you can't. Um, it, it was an elite game from DJ, and I'm so happy for him. Again, you can tell if you go on YouTube, uh, K-State Online and Go Powercat have uh, some video with him uh, post game. He doesn't want to talk to the media. He, you know, I think he even said, hey, you know, I, I don't really pay too much attention to football outside of K-State stuff. But, th- but this guy... Uh, you know, you can't help but root for him. Again, he, he's like the, uh, you know, superstar who doesn't want to be a superstar. And, and I truly believe he's going to go down as the next great K-State running back. Uh, he's a sophomore. Uh, and look, I, I'm not I'm not going to put him on like, hey, enjoy DJ Giddens every chance you get, you get uh, because he's going to go pro. Uh, he will get drafted. Um I'm hoping he comes for a senior year, but look, folks, he has the tie. If he has more games like that one, uh, you're gonna have to fight to get him to come back next year because he did redshirt. In theory, he could go to the NFL this year. I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, but the the guy's the real deal. The guy is going to make. He, he's going to become a millionaire playing on Sundays. DJ Giddens is that guy. I, I I know some folks might be thinking I'm hyperbolic, but I I promise you I'm not. This, this guy is the real deal. Uh, and, and that game proved it. Again, rarefied error, an all-time type great game. Again, you, you're not going to see, you, you might live to be 80 years old, and you're only going to see a handful of games of a running back going over 200 yards and 80 yards receiving, leading the team in both receiving and rushing. It, it truly was an all-time t- type game, and, and I'm glad. And honestly, I feel vindicated. I, I went on so many podcasts this offseason, even a UC like a handful of UCF shows, and I kept and everyone's like, well, you know, no Deuce Vaughn, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they all just kind of snicker, they all kind of have a little smirk when I talk up DJ Giddens, and I feel validated, uh, and, and I'm very, very happy that I'm proud of DJ. Uh, he, he's a great kid, and I'm so pumped he had a big game.
Undisputed RB1. Uh, receivers, I mean, look. We have a team full of wide receiver threes and fours. You, you, you don't have an undisputed dude. You don't have an undisputed wide receiver one at, at, on the team. Everyone wants it to be Keegan Johnson. He played a lot more. He played a lot more. Um, still only two grabs um, for 15 yards, long of nine. Seth Porter had one for 16. Um, honestly, a great play when we we're trying to get points before halftime, but we all know how that went. Uh, Jaden Jackson, three for 17. He was another guy who maybe could have had a touchdown. Um, not the best throw from Will Howard uh, into the end zone. Phillip Brooks had one of those as well. Six for 42, long of 13. Um, but look, uh, you have a you have a squad full of role players at wide receiver, and when you have a good tight end, and when you have a, a running back, two running backs who can be weapons in the passing game, that's all right. But for this team to reach its full potential, it needs Keegan Johnson to kind of be what he was hyped up to be. Uh, this show included talking about hey, he could be a legitimate number one wide receiver. Uh, so we really need to see that coming out of the bye week. Um, I think so we'll see what happens let's talk about the defense but before we do I'm going to talk about Manhattan Brewing Company again I I talked about how fun it is to be their game day but I saw all sorts of videos from Manhattan Brewing Company the Friday night before the band comes by it's a packed house always a great time to be at Manhattan Brewing Company so you know it's a long it's going to be a while but that TCU game make sure you're in there that Friday night before I'm going to have to hit up a Friday night before so I can wabash and sing the fight song with all my friends at Manhattan Brewing Company I brought home a couple four packs I took some crawlers to a tailgate after uh, once I uh, headed back up towards the stadium again way too long of a walk but hey is what it is um Check them out. I promise you're going to be happy. Talk to your local liquor store. Try to get some of that in your local liquor store because I promise you, uh, your friends your friends at, at your local liquor store are going to love you for getting that in there because it's going to come in and it's going to sell out. These men and women at Manhattan Brewing Company are putting out great product and giving a great consumer experience inside the tap room as well. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company, whether at the source or hopefully at your local liquor store, anytime you want some delicious craft beer uh i discipline still still hurting this team uh that trick play um misdirection uh you know the 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 screen passes it look it it, it's still hurting this team and and i saw a lot of the frustration on twitter and, and i share i share with it but the this team this is the way it's always been under Chris Kleiman, and it's because this team is so aggressive. Now, I, I don't I don't know what's better, playing super conservative, death by a thousand cuts, and then trying to stiff up in the red zone, try to force you know turnovers, force field goals. I I, I don't know what is better uh, because playing this aggressive style does open you up to the trick plays. Too biting too much on play action. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's better. I, I still have faith in Chris Clement. And again, I, I kind of ragged on, you know, the corners uh, earlier in the opening. Uh, but again, Parrish, Will Lee, Keenan Garber all made pass breakups. Uh, Parrish got an interception. I kind of ragged on the safeties earlier. But again, they were bringing the heat. They were bringing the wood. VJ Payne had a fumble recovery. 
Um, I, I think they're going to be there. Ultimately, I think we're going to have some questions in the Q&A, which I'll record tomorrow, release on Tuesday. Uh, I, I think it's going to be okay. Again, I think UCF is going to score some points on some folks. And again, it, it took it took us going full prevent, uh, some penalties, and them calling a bunch of timeouts to, to score 31 on us. You know, I, I think anyone before the game would have said like, yeah, you know, I'll give up 24 and yeah, some some of the touchdowns were bad. The flea flicker really sucked. Seeing Will Lee get mossed on, on on a play action fade that really sucks. Giving up a screen pass on third and nineteen in the red zone that goes for a touchdown that sucks. Like I, those three touchdowns, I mean, they're, they're gut punches. And then you have a draw play that picks up a third and twenty four. Yeah, there there are individual plays that's like look. If this team is going to, you know, say go down to Austin, Texas to pull off the upset, you can't be giving up those plays. Look, uh, when, when you're playing some of your biggest rivals, when, when you're playing KU, when you're playing TCU here in a couple weeks, they have dynamic athletes that you can't allow uh, to get behind you in the passing game. You, you, you can't, uh, you know, not make the tackles, not swarm when they do draw plays. Um, so, so there are teams that, hey, they're, they're going to be able to hurt you. And if, if you if you don't want to be having a heart attack late in the game for some of those rivals, if you want a shot at winning in the on the road uh, in Austin, Texas, you can't be doing this type of stuff. But ultimately, I, I think, again, all things considered, it, it was a pretty solid day from the defense. I, I think that, I think phrasing it like that's probably going to get some pushback. Um, I, I get it, but that that's just the way this defense is. Um, it, it is frustrating at times, but hey, I, I can live with it. Uh, talking about the defensive uh, line, uh, Brendan Mott, three tackles, one sack. Khalid Duke, two tackles, both were t- uh, tackles for a loss, one sack. Nate Matlack, one sack. Uso, one sack. Look, those were the four big names coming into this uh, this season on the defensive line. And I think the defensive line had a great game. Um, those were the four big names, and the fact that they got the four sacks, the fact that they were getting all those tackles for losses, I was very pleased. I want to give a shout out to Cody Suffelbean, who I think had his best game at K-State so far. He only had one tackle, but he was disruptive when he was out there. He was really causing some havoc. So I thought he was playing well, too, and I, and I, I do truly think he's... Uh, getting getting to the point where he's a capable Big 12 type starter. And if you have four of those guys, if you if you have confidence in all four of these guys on the edge, you're able to rotate the way you are. Um, that's why we see see uh, K State and Big 12 play especially uh, be able to play so well once you get past you know that midway mark in the third quarter because K State's defense does rotate a ton. So if you're able to have all four of those guys fresh, uh, getting after you. Uh, th- that's a really good sign for the future of this uh, this season. Now, I-, I will say that they probably should have had some more tackles for a loss. They probably should have had some more sacks. Uh, the kid from UCF, uh, I mean, I-, I think he's probably a better quarterback than I-, I was giving him credit for. He was very mobile. He was very shifty. He was very, um, you know, squirmy. Uh, granted, th- there is at least one sack that that we had that he should have just thrown it away. So maybe it evens out a little bit. Uh, but but I would like to see them finish a couple of those pressures a little bit more. But overall, 
again, solid effort. I, I, I think as we are now 25% through the football season, which sucks, which fucking sucks, by the way. Football season goes by so quick. Um, and, and we're heading into the bye week. I, I think the defensive line maybe is the best overall unit we, we, we've seen on this team so far. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm happy with their performance. Uh, I, I want to see, obviously want to see improvement, but again, um, they're getting sacks, they're getting pressures, they're owning, uh, you know, the, the trenches again, the, the, we're not getting gashed. <laughs> you know how, how K-State kind of is like, all right, Hey, 20 yards here, 10 yards here, seven yards there, five yards, all this type of stuff. It's kind of boom or bust. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to the opposing running games, like, yes, we've given up some massive big runs that, Hey, you, you want to kind of, you know, nip in the bud. You, you, you don't want, you don't want to see that, but I, I think, the defensive line owning the trenches and especially Uso taking up two, three guys every play really has made it tough to run against our guys. Um, let's move into linebackers. Des Purnell, the Topeka Cat, um, seven tackles, one tackle for a loss, a massive forced fumble on a third down that they picked up. He played like a madman. Uh, one of the best games of his career. This was really the game that he truly lived up to some of the offseason hype that he was getting. And again, he's also having to take on a little bit more leadership role. He is having to take on a little bit more of the communication uh, with Daniel Green out there. Now, uh, Jake Clifton, he is back uh, two weeks earlier. He's going to take on some of that. Um, but 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 being able to see Desmond Purnell have that sort of game, that, that made me happy. Um, that's making me confident, not only for this season, but for the future. Um he gave you just about anything you could have hoped for. Uh, we saw a little bit of Toby O out there. Not a ton. Didn't see a lot of jet package with Toby O. He did get a tackle. Um, again, the kid's a pure athlete. It, it, if you're someone like me, I love getting in early, watching the warm-ups. The guy is an athlete. He will. There will be one game this season where Toby O, whether it's multiple sacks, whether it's a forced fumble, whether it's on kickoff coverage, the guy is an athlete. The guy is a football player. I want to get him on the field a little bit more. Uh, Austin Moore, one tackle for a loss, six tackles. Took over the play calling responsibilities and alignment. Always, he had a great game. I I, I think that there's a case to be made uh, that he's this team's best defensive player. Uh, Austin Romaine, one tackle for a loss, credited with three total tackles. Some growing plays out there. Got pulled in on play action uh, that kind of left the middle of the field open on uh, that first big run they had. Um... He, he got washed away. He came up early, uh, did not stay true to his assignment. Uh, but, but again, true freshman, 18-year-old, 19-year-old guy playing, starting his first game. Uh, you know, I, I thought he was all right. I, I think I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be a player for K-State. I, I think he'll be a guy. He'll be a player for K-State. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm not going to overreact one way or the other first game starting. We're going to continue to see him. Jake Clifton back two weeks earlier than I thought. I'm awfully glad he's back. Uh, got hit uh, with a uh, late hit. Got flagged for a late hit. 15-yard uh, penalty. Uh, he was probably a few steps too slow uh, coming back you, you know, from foot surgery, folks. I mean, he's coming back from foot surgery in like three weeks. I mean, it's fucking insane. This guy is like 17 days out from foot surgery and he's already back playing, uh, which is wild. Uh, so yeah, for, I'll forgive him for being a, you know, a step or two too slow on that screen pass touchdown. I imagine he's going to be starting at that Mike linebacker and moving Austin Romaine back to the two line on the depth chart versus Oklahoma state. 
Um, but but I think we're going to see plenty. I, I think we're going to see plenty of both those guys at Oklahoma State. I'm back, Jake. I'm very glad Jake Clifton's back uh, sooner rather than later. I, I think that's going to make a massive difference for this team moving forward in the season. Um, secondary again, I, I've already talked about. It. You know, it, there were some rough moments. Both Will Lee and Parrish got uh, beat deep, uh, failed to make plays on the ball. You know, Will Lee's led to a touchdown. Parrish led to a pass interference. It does kind of limit the amount of confidence you have uh, when it comes to blitzing and keeping only one single high safety when uh, when, when that happens. Again, I, I think both these guys are really good players. Uh, this is Jacob Parrish. Like, yes, Jacob Parrish played lo- a lot last year, but he kind of was moved all around. He's playing in the so- slot. He's playing some safety. He's playing a little bit of boundary corner. He was moved around a lot. Keenan Garber, he got a pass breakup, uh, but he got flagged for a pass interference as well. Uh, I mean, he's still he's still not even been playing cornerback at the, at college for a year yet. So you, you still have some growing pains with these guys. I, I I think by week and hopefully hopefully uh, you know some games versus Oklahoma State and Texas Tech who aren't quite living up to their preseason expectations. Hopefully that that kind of allows them over the next three four weeks to really get ready to lock in for that TCU game. Um, because that, and then the game down in, in Austin, um, you know, it, it is 100% fair to kind of be crafting up the scenarios where you get back to Austin or excuse me, Arlington. So you need those three boundary corners to kind of figure it out to, to kind of, uh, you know, grow into their, uh, to, to their play over the next few weeks. And I think they can, again, the bye weeks, uh, every single game, you, you, you see more confidence. And again, the, you know that was Will Lee's second game ever versus a Power 5 team. Uh, that's Jacob Parrish's second time starting against a Power 5 team. And again, that's only like you know the third. Like, again, Keenan Garber was a wide receiver this time last year. So again, I, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of grace. It, it's not where we want it to be. It's not where it needs to be if you want to talk about pulling off an upset down in Texas or if you want to talk about winning a Big 12 championship game or even really kind of going against some of these explosive teams in the Big 12. You need to see improvement there so Klanderman can be as aggressive as he wants to. Um, but again, you know, Parrish did end up with a pass breakup and a interception. Will Lee still had a handful of tackles and a pass breakup. Keenan Garber still had a very good pass breakup where, hey, the guy came down with it and, and Keenan Garber punched it out. Uh, so, so really, you know, yes, there were some frustrating plays, but all three of them made big plays as well. Um, they switched up the safeties again. Kobe Savage switched uh, his spot on this uh, on the field. VJ Payne switched back to where he was playing last year. Uh, again, I, I think all three of them, those two, um, I think all three of them kind of lacked a little bit of eye discipline. Same with Marquis Siegel. Marquis Siegel still is great when he comes down and is able to play. Uh, coming downfield, um, he, he's absolutely destructive. And, and when he hits you, you're going to know. And, and I think that's good. And, and Kobe Savage plays so he, – he's getting his speed back. You can see that, hey, he's trusting his knee. He's getting there. His speed and his instincts are, are, are getting there. And VJ Payne, again, he was able to pick up that punched-out ball. I, I, I think, again, this bye week – is coming at a good time of like, okay, hey, we, we got 25% of the games under our belt. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to work on these things and get ready for that Friday night game 
down in Stillwater, and then again going to West Texas to play the Red Raiders. So I I, I, I think we're going to be okay. Again, yes, the big plays are frustrating, but that's going to happen. When, when you're going to play as aggressive and when you're saying, hey, we're going to swarm, we're going to make it tough for teams to run the ball on us, that's what's going to happen. So, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, this is just how Kleiman and Klanderman's defenses play. And, again, I do have faith in, in Joe Klanderman. I have faith in Van Malone. I have faith in Chris Kleiman. Uh, because they've never proved us wrong. And, and again, in, in a Big 12 where, hey, big plays happen, I still think even everything we've seen throughout the entire conference, four weeks in, I still think this is a top half of the Big 12 secondary. And I, I, I think they can improve. And I think by the, when it's all said and done, I think they can be top three, top two type of secondary when it's all said and done. So, again, some frustrating moments. You got the win. You continue to grow. But I do think there was improvement from last week to this week. Now, it's not saying much. <laughs> that Missouri game was bad. But there was improvement. And, and you want to continue to see that improvement because you don't want to peak at the end of September. You want to peak at the end of November. And as long as you keep winning games in Big 12 play, it's all going to be all right. Uh, that's really all we have on defense. Let me know your thoughts. Am I, am I not being critical enough? Am I being too critical? Let me know your thoughts on the defense at Scott Wildcat at Bosco's boys. Let's talk special teams, uh, punting, uh, only one punt, a very nice 69 yard punt by bloomer ran or, uh, ran and Plattner, the long snapper made a massive solo tackle because the, it, it was a trick return. Uh, the, the, Deep return guy acted like it was a shank kick. Start running up the opposite sideline. They had their gunner go back. Platner was the only guy there. He makes that tackle. Otherwise, it's a massive return. They had a massive kick return as well. So, uh, Platner, absolutely immense. Big time tackle. Shout out to him. Uh, Kicking, look, I I, I think sadly, I, I, I think in the bye week you have to open up. The competition, if there's anyone who's kicking that can push Chris Tennant, then I think you need to do it, and I think you might need to give them the game. Um, two shanked PATs, one of them went through, one was a miss. A horrible miss on a 30-yard uh, field goal. Kick out of bounds. Look, if Leighton Summering um, or whoever the young kid from Nebraska can push him, I think you need to do it. Um you can't let that cost you. Again, we saw it last year. Um, I'm just scared that the kid, Chris Tennant's in his own head again. I hope that's not the case. I want to cheer for the guy, but again, um, those sort of mistakes, and, and it's not like, again, I, I do not blame him one bit for the missed field goal last week versus Missouri. I No part of me, no part of me is mad at him for missing a 55-yard field goal. No. I would have liked for him to, you know, get it to, you know, you know, have the leg because I think he has it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mad at him for that. But a 30-yard field goal, a missed PAT, another shanked PAT that got through there, and then kicking the ball out of bounds. I think that's the second or third time he's kicked the ball out of bounds on a kickoff. <sighs> I hate to do it, but if anyone can push him, if anyone is close enough, I think it might be time to at least consider moving on. Um, that's all we have. Special teams again, nothing too crazy there. Um, grading the four keys to V, sponsored by our friends over at the Ten Twelve Network. Listen to the Ten Twelve Pod, the best Big Twelve podcast out there. My guy Philip Slavin, he does two to three shows a week, usually having uh, multiple guests throughout. 
uh, some exclusive content on their YouTube page as well. Devin Enkel actually was on for their weekly special teams YouTube-only show, so go check that out. Uh, 1012 Network, also all sorts of great shows. If, if, if you're like me, if you like listening to the opposing fans after you beat them, uh, Sons of UCF Podcast, give them a listen. Let's hear what they have to say about that game. Um, here's Let's grade the four keys of E. <laughs> They're not great. Um, be the more... Ex- be the more explosive team. Um, sorry about the little hiccup there. Um, no, that's an F. We were not the mo- more explosive team. Uh, we just weren't. Um, they had more explosive plays. They had bigger explosive plays. We were just chunking the ball, and they, uh, you know, they they had their plays. Uh, they had bigger plays. We couldn't stop uh, some of their explosive plays. So, no, that's an F. Sadly. Um, make a massive special teams play. I was going to make this an F as well uh, because I was saying, hey, you need a blocked kick or you need a big return or you need a long, super long field goal. I was going to give it an F, but really that, that tackle by Plattner on that big 69-yard punt for that trick return, that was that was pretty big. Um, so, Or at least big enough that I'm not going to give it a failing grade. So I'm going to give that a C. Get your swagger back. I, I did think the team got their swagger back. I, I You didn't see as much of the dancing. You didn't see a lot of trash talking. There were some nerves. Um, but you saw a little bit of it at the sidelines. You saw a little bit of it towards the end of the game. I'm giving it a B-. minus. I need a little bit more swagger. I need a little bit more fun out of you guys. It's still a game. Um, but I'm going to give that a B-. minus. Um, and then don't turn the ball over. No, you turn the ball over, so it's an F. Again, uh, pretty lame keys, to be honest. So, so that's, like, partly on me. Because, um, honestly, boom. Look, you can basically have failing grades in the keys to V and still have a very convincing win over UCF. I, I think that really does speak to the quality of uh, this K-State team. And I think that's why that Missouri game hurts so much, uh, because we know how good this team can be. This team can go back-to-back. This team can go back to Arlington. Uh, So I think that's kind of why the fans' uh, opinions, uh, the passion, the energy is kind of where it is. Um, And honestly, kind of why I'm a little little shocked to see some of the reaction from some of the fans online uh, from this win. Again, I, I think it comes back to the expectations and the earned expectations. I think I, I think if we all just decided, okay, hey, this team isn't good enough to compete to go back to Arlington. Let's just try to win seven or eight games and call it good. Uh, I don't I, I think everyone kind of would have uh, taken that win versus UCF and been like, yep, okay, good. And another win towards bowl eligibility, another win towards trying to get to eight wins, nine wins, something like that. Uh, but but I, I think we all see it in this team and, and know the potentials there to get back to Arlington. So I, I, I think that's probably why the fan reaction is the way it is. But I still, I mean, look, I, I just gave us a, an overall failing grade on my keys of V, and, and I'm still very pumped with this. So um, let me know your thoughts. Uh, again, uh, what were your keys to V? Did they pass? Did they get a good grade? Let me know. And then we're going to wrap up with the game balls presented by Charlie Hustle. Vintage made fresh. Get over to charliehustle.com. Get yourself a new lucky t-shirt, new lucky sweatshirt, new lucky hoodie, or just something to rock around town uh, in the build-up to game day. 
Uh, shout out to my friends at Charlie Hustle. They are the absolute best. Uh, the Bonehead Game Ball number one, of course, goes to DJ the Blue Jay Giddens. We talked about it. This was an all-time type game. This was a where-were-you-win type game. This was a uh, media guide game. You know, this game is going to be referenced in the K-State Football Media Guide from now to the end of time. That's how big of a game DJ the Blue Jay Giddens had. Four touchdowns, almost 300 yards from scrimmage, over 200 yards rushing, over 80 yards receiving. Absolutely massive and a no-doubter for the Boneheads giving away the number one game ball. My first game ball is going to Cooper Beebe. Again, best interior offensive lineman, uh, not only in the Big 12, but the nation. Guy absolutely demolished. Had almost another near-perfect game. I'm betting when Pro Football Focus puts out their grades for this past week in college football, Cooper Beebe's once again going to make their team of the week. Uh, The the guy... I'm almost to the point where I'm ready to declare him the greatest offensive lineman that we have ever had. Cooper Beebe's that good. He gets my game ball. Bonehead, game ball number two, going to Khalid Duke. Two tackles for a loss, uh, plus one of them being a sack. Disruptive, getting to the quarterback all game long. Very deserving game ball from the Boneheads, Khalid Duke. Game ball number two for me, the Topeka Cat, Des Purnell. uh, Led the team in tackles, had a tackle for a loss, had a massive force fumble. Uh, that was picked up by VJ Payne. The guy was everywhere. The best game in Desmond Purnell's career so far. It will not be the last, but my game ball number two goes to Des Purnell. Now let's get into the swagger stickers. The Boneheads, Will Howard got a lot of shouts for this one. Again, he gritted out the game, proved he was a gamer. Not that that was ever in doubt, uh, but he really gritted it out. He showed a little swagger. We saw the shotgun celebration. Um... And again, we saw him kind of celebrating over on the sidelines after the game. Very, very worthy swagger sticker going to Will Howard going on that helmet. And then my swagger sticker going to KT Lev. KT Leviston uh, showing off post-game, rocking the pancake syrup chain. If you haven't seen it, get on Twitter. Absolutely hilarious picture. I have that saved off to my camera roll. I'll be using that. I already have used it (laughs) on Twitter. Uh, amazing picture. So KT Love gets my swagger sticker. And then the final one, Chauncey, Chauncey Bosco's He's Got That Dog in Him Award. Usually, like like Chauncey likes to you know send that award to someone who uh, wasn't recognized by me or the Boneheads, but it ha- he said it has to go to DJ the Blue Jay Giddens. DJ Giddens, again, an all-time elite type of game. So uh, Chauncey Bosco is giving his award to DJ. So again, one more time, the game awards, game balls going to DJ, the Blue Jay Giddens and Khalid Duke from the Boneheads. I'm giving mine to Cooper BB and Desmond Purnell. The Swagger Sticker Awards going to Will Howard and KT Lev and Chauncey's He's Got That Dog in Him Award going to DJ Giddens. All right, that's all we have. Tomorrow you will have uh, the Q&A episode, which that's going to be a lot more fun to record than last week's. Uh, and, and after that, I'm not sure with the bye week. Um, stay tuned. Haven't decided if we're going to have a live show or not. It's all up in the air. I'm waiting on a few emails to come through on some bi-week content, uh, but we're going to have some different content. I might try to do some creative stuff. I don't know. We'll see. That's all we got. As the great Pat McAfee would say, be a friend, tell a friend something nice, make someone's day. And that's all we have for Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world. 
named after the first mascot of Kansas State Agricultural College, Bosco the Dog. We love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors everywhere. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Podcast Network.